Welcome to Ask a Leader. My guest in this segment is Ryan Dack, a resident Laguna Beach High School teacher and candidate running for the governing board trustee area of the South Orange County Community College District. All community college district races are nonpartisan. Ryan Dack is challenging incumbent board member James Wright. I'm offering the briefest of introductions again, availing us more time to get acquainted with another candidate down ballot. A product of San Clemente in Orange County, Ryan Dack has been a substitute teacher in hundreds, he says, of classrooms in schools from Irvine to San Clemente. He is now, as I said, a resident teacher at Laguna Beach High School. Ryan Dack completed his bachelor's degree from San Francisco State University and his master's degree in education from UC Irvine. He also had for one quarter an indie rock show here on KUCI. Ryan Dack comes to us today from his home in Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Ryan Dack. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, it's great to be here. Well, I won't pretend to be exhausted. My listeners are really, really attuned to that refrain. So I've, I've selected as many policy arenas as we can cover in this time together. First, actually a quick civic lesson, Ryan Dack, the community college district candidates are running within specific districts and we voters are voting for all districts candidates. That well, is correct. That's yeah. a little bit of a switcheroo, right? Oh, it's believe me, it's a it's a big concern. Um, they're actually changing that. So in 2022, if you are living in South Orange County, uh, you'll be voting in your kind of more structured districts. You're not going to be voting at large. So uh, how it is right now, if you are living in San Clemente or even all the way up to Tustin, uh, I'm going to be on your ballot. But uh, in 2022, whoever's running, uh, you're only going to have one candidate they're going to be voting for. So it's super difficult when there's like 600,000 voters that you have to appeal to, especially during a pandemic. So that's one of the things I'm, you know, is a little bit of a wrinkle that I'm really trying to get to. But the winner in this race for District 1, though, has a four-year term. So yes, 2024 would be the next time District 1 would be up. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, so they have alternating districts. So I, I believe it's three, four, and seven are going to be in 2022. So yeah, this this is a four-year term. Okay. So let's then begin with the sort of the current circumstances with the uptick of COVID-19 cases. Let's talk about reopening what you're learning at Laguna Beach High School. How does it inform you about reopening at the community college campus level? Well, so for one thing, I'm really fortunate. I'm at Laguna Beach High School. Uh, Laguna Beach Unified has decided not to start in-person teaching until November 22nd. I personally think that's the right decision. We're seeing upticks in COVID-19 cases nationwide. And as we kind of get to cooler you know, weather, I mean, kind of hard to say right now when it's 80 degrees in mid-October, but when we get into November and December, it's going to get a lot colder. People are going to be, you know, probably still as social as they were in the past, but going to be indoors. So uh, people are expecting a spike and uh, I'm, I'm really concerned, you know, a big spike generally is going to impact school populations a lot more. So uh, I'm fortunate to kind of be going in a little bit later. Um, I'm hopeful that 
what we see in other K through 12 districts is going to inform what kind of policies work and what policies don't work when it comes to opening up our uh, community college schools. So the resources available, the reserves available, and, and I'm not sure you can tell us how much of the CARES, the federal rescue funds are available. What are your priorities with the funds that are available at the community college district? I don't have exact uh, numbers just because the budget has you know, been changing. I know that schools, uh, or I, I guess IVC and Saddleback are going to be doing online and hybrid classes in the spring semester. Uh, but some courses are gonna be hybrid only. So we are gonna be having some students that are gonna be forced to go onto campuses. And I wanna make sure that that's done right. Whatever funding we have, whether it be in community college reserves or from federal funds or state funds, uh, I really want to look into the effectiveness of having rapid results, not, not one day turnarounds, but maybe even you know 20 minute, 30 minute turnarounds for faculty. Um, and then maybe some students who will be on campus all day. Uh, so I think that might be one good mitigation, uh, you know, thing we can look into because, you know, when we're going to be going back into classrooms, uh, we don't know where everyone else has been. And if it's going to be even just two days a week, uh, that's still a potential to be spreading this. And as we've seen, you know, again, nationwide, there's going to be an uptick. Um, it's just kind of depending on how big of an uptick that's going to be. So one other question that begs to be asked, Ryan Dack, is, how much does the U.S. Census, as it's been trimmed uh, prematurely and amidst the complications of the pandemic, how much is that a driver of available funds to community colleges? So uh, yes, uh, every you know, funding comes in a variety of ways when it comes to community colleges. And you know, while I mentioned that a lot of schools are locally funded, you know, it's not 100% locally funded. So. Um, the census is going to, you know, count how, you know, where people are living, and that's going to allocate certain funds to certain programs. And schools are going to be part of that as well. Um, so, when we look at the impacts of the census on community colleges, uh, making sure that everyone is counted—I know that counting is already concluded—but making sure that everyone has been counted is going to benefit uh, the community college district. Um, and then also, you know, a side effect of that is going to be. Um, there's sort of kind of redistricting when it comes to the community college trustee areas. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they only just want to make them, uh, you know, equal in size. They don't really take much else into Geographically account. equal, not yeah. population equal. Well, pop, I think it's population equal. So okay. if you actually look at the district map, um, District yes. 2, which is in I the have. north, northern mm -hmm. part, relatively small compared to District 4. So it's going to be based on population. So they're going to try to change the lines a little bit to make it so that each of those districts are equally populated. Um, and as I mentioned, instead of being at large in 2022, they're going to be going into districts. So if somehow, some way, this seat I'm running for, Area 6, is up again uh, in 2022, it's really only going to be people who reside in Area 6 voting for it versus this year where it's everybody all the way from Tustin down to San Clemente. Okay, thank you. That's for us all to understand how far reaching the US Census data, the importance of that data is in every possible public arena, public sector, any kind of service. Thanks for that. Well, I'm wondering because we're talking about education in your candidacy here though, that opening up various schools throughout Orange County, hybrid or uh, in class only, that that itself, not just the weather, but that 
that reopening around the county is a driver of some of the uptick we're now just beginning to see. And I'm gonna give a timestamp listeners. We are recording this on October 17th. So I'm sure you're watching where the, and the Orange County Health Agency is sort of unevenly transparent about where various school districts are are now seeing an uptick in cases. But it, do you uh, do you see though that prior to the the weather changes, we have an, a factor of schools opening that is adding to cases of COVID? Oh yeah, um, I mean. It, it kind of depends on a lot of these schools have just opened within the last two, three weeks. So uh, we've seen a little bit of, uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for that to manifest. I've already seen some of these, as you mentioned, some of these schools and the you know county itself, not as transparent as I would hope. Um, you know, if you've been on social media and you're really concerned about this stuff, you've seen, you know, schools will typically send a release out to people within a specific class and say, okay, well, there was a student or faculty in this class and because of HIPAA laws, I can't say exactly who, which is right. great. Um, right. we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to know who these specific people are, but, but just there is that someone they're there. In, yeah, just that they're there. There has been someone in this class that has tested positive for COVID-19 and then they say, you know, it's not a cause for concern. We just want to let you know, but this is really done on an ad hoc basis and there's really no central, um, you know, sort of repository for all this information. Uh, so it's really, uh, you know, I think it actually leads to a lot of people being more fearful than they need to be. If it was completely 100% transparent at the K through 12 level regarding who has been infected and what school, what class, um, I think that would do a lot to assuage fears. But uh, I, you know, the inevitable result is gonna be that cases are gonna happen when you're in an enclosed space. Um, you know, it's really just a determination of what that magnitude is gonna be. So. This begs a whole different question I hadn't even anticipated in preparation for this interview with you, Ryan Dack, is, so this is another kind of cost of the leadership that is on the, the county and municipal levels, that it is a, there are cascading effects on how other public officials are doing their jobs, including community college district board members. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't really get into why I'm running, but this is the whole reason I'm running. I, I just like everyone else in Orange County, probably saw how the Board of Education responded to COVID-19. They didn't pass. The, I think it was pretty big news story. They had, you know, not passed any regulations regarding mask wearing or social distancing for the reopening of schools. And I don't know, as an educator, that really frustrated me. Um, from my understanding, that is not really a binding thing. It's more of a kind of like signaling of what their values are. And their values are that they don't really care about COVID-19 for educators or students. So that got me upset. And then the Board of Supervisors response to this pandemic has also been upsetting. And I just decided I was looking into, all right, who's running in this district? What, you know, I want to get involved and I don't want to see other levels of you know, public governance results in, you know, this sort of, you know, COVID-19 is going to just go away. We're not going to plan for it. We're not going to prepare for it. And uh, that's why I'm running. I, I really, I don't want 
to see this happening. It's already happened at the county level. I don't want to see this happening at our local community college levels. And I've already gotten so many, so many messages. And I want to thank everyone who's reached out to me. Um, community college students, faculty, they, they've sent me messages on Facebook, Instagram, emails, all this stuff asking me, you know, if I'm really serious about taking COVID-19 seriously. And it is, I've, I've heard a lot of heartbreaking stories about people who live with uh, relatives who are immunocompromised and they don't want to have to decide whether to go to work or to go to class um, or to, you know, you know, have to do that and then worry about whether their loved ones are going to get sick because they're trying to do their job or trying to get an education. So this is really serious to me. It's really personal. Um, and so that's really why I'm in this. And another kind of cascading effect, and it's not a, it's not a complete pivot. It's really lined up with this is the current status because of the plummeting economy, because it's not being reined in the, the cases of COVID where there's this public health emergency still going playing out here. The current status for then increasing number of unemployed enrollees at community colleges. So what is the formula for what tuition and fees that they must pay? Because I, I know there's a very sort of specific kind of calibration of what an unemployed person must contribute to their community college fees and tuition. So just generally um, per unit, it's $46. When you kind of get into um, you know these other programs, specifically AB19, which kind of uh, it's a statewide law that provides community colleges with, uh, you know, state funding to help low income individuals receive a tuition waiver or free laptops or textbook vouchers. Um, that sort of stuff, you know, is going to be implemented. It, I believe it passed a few years ago. So there is a little bit of a different formula when it comes to those who might be unemployed. Um, but I really do want to, you know, also try to push as much as I can. Uh, there's only so much you can do at the local level because funding is really sort of dependent on, you know, property taxes within your area. And we're fortunate that we're in a high SES area. So we have a little bit to work with. We actually have around $200 million in our reserves, which I think we should utilize to not only make sure that we are keeping our environment safe when students return to on-campus learning, uh, but as well as you know, people who have faced unemployment and are trying to do a pivot in their life that they are not told, well, you know, uh, <laughs> too bad. Uh, sorry, you can't, you can't come in here because you can't afford it. I, I don't think that's the best way to do this, especially during an economic downturn. I'm hopeful that there's gonna be more federal funding and more state funding for programs that will kind of bolster up education. But I, I'm, I'm unfortunately not a state legislator and I'm unfortunately not a federal legislator. So I don't actually know what the odds of that happening are. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Ryan Dack, Laguna Beach High School teacher and candidate running for the governing board trustee area six of the South Orange County Community College District. And we're talking about an unemployed enrollee and I, then I want to ask about generally the declining trends, the, in, the trend in enrollment declines right now. How are you poised to, how, how do you want to manage that trend, get in front of that freight train as it were? So, I mean, we've seen this not only in community colleges, but in K through 12 as well. I've 
you know, I try to do as many public meeting, public, you know, air quotes, meetings as I can via Zoom with these groups. And I've had a handful of parents, you know, try to talk to me on the side and tell me, you know, I really don't agree with such and such district opening up. So I'm like, I'm pulling them out and I'm going to be, you know, either putting them into a private school where it's all online or some other sort of situation. So we're seeing a lot of people pull out of education generally. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult thing to, you know, hear as an educator, because I all think right. that education is the foundation of a strong society. And, you know, community college is there to supplement people who, you know, have a hunger for, you know, to learn, um, you know, maybe not necessarily going off to a four-year college. That's obviously a, a path that a lot of people take at community colleges, but it's also a repository just to, you know, even better yourself. You don't need to be going to college for a reason other than to better yourself. And we, we know that, you know, people are pulling out, people aren't going. And um, I think a lot of it is fear that these schools are not going to take it seriously. And I don't know, we've seen at the county level, they're not taking it seriously. So it doesn't surprise me that people are not, you know, enrolling as at as high a rate as before. How we solve that, um, this is really a crisis of confidence sort of situation. If we have a board and we have, you know, officials within the community that really make it clear that they take this seriously, I think that, you know, we'll see a, a little bit of an incline uh, in, you know, enrollees. No one wants to get sick, and we don't even know what the long-term effects of this virus are. There's been studies that say that the scarring that results from this, even if it's a relatively mild case, can have lifelong impacts. And who's going to want to, you know, say, "Well, I want to go uh, risk, you know, my long-term health for a quarter or a semester in school when the prevailing thought might be that this virus might be a thing of the past in a year or so." So uh, my thought is that people are delaying more so than just going out completely when it comes to community colleges. It's a little bit different at the K through 12 level. Right. Um, but uh, my hope is that this is really a temporary blip. And then once things get sorted out, we'll kind of resume back into uh, regular enrollment levels. But until then, we need to make sure that people know that we're taking this stuff seriously. Uh, I, you know, I, obviously, as a teacher, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be going into an institution where I don't have confidence in the leadership that they're going to be taking care of us. Um, and I, I think that's unfortunately the prevailing fact, uh, you know, in Orange County, at least. Well, I want to know where you'd be successful in being elected to the community college board. How do you see your relationships in working with the other board members and how you would assess how the incumbents are managing this very kind of question about the decline in enrollment and, and maintaining safety on campus? Well, it's going to be, I, I wouldn't say it's going to be a cakewalk. Um, so the unfortunate fact is that a lot of people, when they look down the ballot at these races, maybe not give a whole lot of thought. I think that's going to be a little bit different this year. If I were to be elected, I would be the youngest person on the board. Um, and I don't know, that might rankle some people uh, the incumbent that I'm running against has been on the board since 2012. Um, he probably has a great relationship with everyone. And then to see this young upstart, you know, to replace him, they might, you know, they might have some ill will toward me. But uh, I like to think that I'm a, you know, as a teacher, I have to deal with a variety of parents. I have to deal with a variety of students. I have to deal with a variety of faculty and staff. So um, as I've, you know, kind of gone through this journey through education, I've learned to become very, you know, I guess 
the best, the best word I would be able to say is I've been able to become uh, a very agreeable person. I'm, I'm someone <laughs> that I've learned, I've learned through, uh, you know, trial by fire that I can be someone who can have a professional working relationship with somebody that I might disagree on with a lot of things. Uh, because I don't know, I think professionalism goes a long way these days, especially when we look at the national level on how uh, our politicians are kind of portraying themselves. So I'm hopeful that even though I'll be a young upstart, you know, someone who, you know, maybe, you know, quote unquote, doesn't deserve to be on the board, maybe in their eyes, uh, in some way that I'll be able to kind of have professional working relationships with uh, other board members. And how would you assess that the current board members, are, how they're managing COVID and keeping the enrollees safe? So. I've watched a variety of board meetings. Um, these have been through Zoom. So, I mean, as you probably know, having, as I know, obviously as well, you know, Zoom meetings are not, they don't go perfectly. But from what I can tell, um, most of the board members, they do care about COVID-19 stuff. I don't know if it's as strongly as I care about it. Um, it's definitely obviously really? the biggest, biggest uh you know, topic of conversation because all of these board meetings are through Zoom. Um, but I, I believe that they do care about it. It really is a kind of a commitment to how much they care about it. As I noted earlier, we have a $200 million uh, reserve fund. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like a lot of, until recently that that reserve fund has not been utilized at all, really kind of just keep throwing money into it for a rainy day. Well, I mean, the rainy days here, like, I don't, I can't imagine a situation where things are going to get much worse. We have a global pandemic. Uh, we have uh, unemployment rising. We have just a lot of economic turmoil. So I really think it's time to kind of dip into that and make sure that we're, you know, paying the service we need to pay for, you know, safety and of our students and our educators. Okay. And so a specific point about the incumbent you're challenging. I'd like to know, Ryan Deck, what is his position on DACA policy at the community college and how might you differ from his position on DACA? So uh, unfortunately, I'm not super familiar with James Wright's uh, position on that specific issue. Um, the one big thing I've seen from uh, the person I'm challenging is that he's relatively passive on the Board of Education. Uh, so I, whenever I watch these uh, board meetings, I actually don't hear a whole lot from him. So uh, a lot of his positions are a little bit unclear to me. He seems to be, he's obviously been an educator before, so he cares about education. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm not super clear on that. And uh, if, if I'm the person who's running against him is not clear on that, I can't imagine that many other people are clear on that. Oh, important point, important point. For those of you, you're listening, for those of you just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader. My guest is Ryan Dack, resident Laguna Beach High School teacher and candidate running for the governing board member position trustee area six of the South Orange County Community College District. So you've mentioned a bit about your candidacy being down ticket. I'd like to know how with all of the heady news and the fall off the cliff, breaking news every other minute, it seems, it's harder to get those eyeballs to see to the down ballot to the local elections. How are you promoting down ticket participation, Ryan Dack? So it is, you know, as you can imagine, campaigning is so different this year. Uh, you, you, I mean, 
I could probably go knock on doors. I don't know how receptive people would be to it. Um, and so I've decided to really, I mean, I'm in my bedroom. I'm, I'm trying to run a bedroom campaign, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's, it's been a lot of digital outreach. Um, it's been a lot of, you know, collaboration with other groups. Um, I've, I was endorsed by the local Democratic Party here. So I've been able to utilize them and uh, just be able to kind of jump into these groups that are really concerned about uh, COVID-19 as well as, you know, other issues on the ballot. So it's been, it's been an interesting experience. I wish I could, you know, be knocking on doors. Uh, the sad reality, as we kind of mentioned earlier, is that this district is, is extremely large, uh, 600,000 people. It's a little bit different if I was running for city council in Irvine, right? Um, still a, a lot of people here, but it's not 600,000. So I don't know if an in-person sort of campaign would be extremely fruitful. So I've been focusing, as I mentioned, on digital outreach, um, you know, being just super available. If anyone's listening and wants to send me an email, you know, ryan at dacforcollegeboard.com, send me an email. I will respond to you within about 24 hours, uh, usually a lot sooner than that. But I'm trying to just be super responsive. As I mentioned earlier as well, I've got so many people messaging me about, you know, being concerned about going into school this next semester. Um, so what I'm trying to do is just be super available. Um, my opponent doesn't have a website. I believe his email's hosted somewhere, but um, I really just want to be out there. Even if you maybe look down the ticket and just search for my name and you see my website, send me a message if you have any question on anything. I think that's the best thing I've got going for me is that I am, uh, I'm approachable. I'm reachable. If you contact me, I'll be there. Okay. Instead of sending an email, I'm going to ask you specifically your positions on two propositions. What Ryan Dack is your position on Prop 15. So Prop 15, uh, that, that is the one regarding a split role for businesses um, yes. when it comes to property taxes. And mm -hmm. I'm a big supporter of that. Um, as a local educator, we, uh, for those who don't know, local school districts are mostly funded locally. That's why when you go into these higher socioeconomic areas, the schools are, you know, quote unquote, better. That's usually just code word for better funded. Um, and I think that having it so that businesses are not, you know, having a capped property tax is gonna really increase uh, education quality around the state. So I'm a, I'm a huge supporter, especially with this pandemic going on. I know that school budgets are gonna be stretched to the limit. Um, just in Laguna Beach, I, I've, I'm familiar, I, you know, this is gonna be really in the weed stuff here, but as Go a student at, at UCI, I was very familiar with Canvas. And as a, a student teacher at University High School, I used Canvas. This is like an online platform where you kind of silo all of your education information, be it readings, be it assignments, uh, you know, turnitin.com, all this stuff is all in one place. And I know that a lot of campuses are now just getting into that. And, um, you know, a new ex the expenses of transitioning to an all online situation at the beginning of this year, it's not cheap. So schools are going to need to find uh, money for that somewhere. And I think that Prop 15 is going to be a good way to kind of cushion that cost increase. Okay, thank you. And the other one I want to ask you about is Proposition 16 that would overturn the uh, initiative known as uh, Prop 209. So when it comes to Prop 16, um, I'm aware that California is one of the only states that doesn't take into account uh, race, sex, and gender when it comes to hiring of public employees or school enrollment. Um, I know it's a really divisive issue within certain groups, but um, I have to say at the end of the day, 
if you want to be a company that has decided or a public institution that has decided, you know what, there have been too many male professors for too long. You go through the arc of history, it's been vast majority male teachers and say, right, we want to have a policy where it's 50-50 faculty. We have 50% female, 50% male. I think that's, you know, I think that's a great idea. And currently under state law, my understanding is that that is, they can't take sex into account when it comes to hiring procedures. Um, so I don't know, I think giving schools and institutions the leverage to utilize those factors, I think it's a good idea, especially if we want to have more varied voices um, on our faculty or in our student populations. Okay, thank you. So you mentioned a little bit about your endorsement. You said a local democratic group, and I, I'm going to, I just want to be specific. There's so many kinds of permutations of that, which exact democratic um, group has endorsed you and other endorsements, including any of the community college board candidates. So I'll be really specific. I've really only ever sought one endorsement this entire time. And oh. it, it really is uh, mostly due to being able to utilize the resources that they have. So I've been endorsed by the Orange County Democratic Party. So that's the official party of the county. They only endorse in local races relevant to the county. Uh, California State Democratic Party will endorse candidates for state um, office as well as for assembly and state Senate. So I have been endorsed by the local Orange County Democratic Party. Uh, I really only sought their endorsement to, kind of to expand on my reasoning. It's because I knew that they would have, uh, you know, running a campaign in a 600,000 voter district is extremely difficult. And they've been so supportive in, you know, getting the word out and saying, this guy aligns with our values when it comes to education. So vote for him, whether it's they're doing coordinated, um, texting efforts or mailers or that sort of stuff. So I've really only sought their endorsement and uh, they've been helping me with kind of the more hard to reach voters in that regard. But when it comes to other individuals, um, be it local elected leaders or um, other board members, uh, I, there is a candidate who's running in district one or, a can, or trustee area one, excuse me, uh, Carolyn Inman, she's running and she's endorsed me as well. I didn't really seek that endorsement, but she's given it to me and I've, I've uh, endorsed her in kind. We are very much on the same level when it comes to caring about community colleges and uh, COVID-19. Um, but beyond that, I've not sought endorsements. I don't know if, uh, you know, I have a very limited amount of time in my day, unfortunately, uh, between teaching and being able to run the campaign that I need to run, uh, going on all of these, um, you know, talking to voters via Zoom and all this sort of stuff. So I haven't really done the endorsement chase as much. Um, and uh, so that's my uh, situation when it comes to that. So one of the things I've run into the most have been voters asking me why I don't have a ballot statement. And I think it's a valid question because before I, you know, ran for the seat, I would, you know, I'd peruse the ballot statement. I would usually make my decision based on, you know, web searches of candidates and where they stand on things because you can only have like 200 words in a ballot statement, right? And I always thought that the candidates that had no ballot statement, oh, well, they're just lazy. Are they taking this seriously? I don't think they are, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, I wouldn't make that a determinative factor, but I know that a lot of voters do, and I don't have a ballot statement. But the reason is because I have so many voters, 613,000 voters in this district, they charge on a per voter basis. And it would have cost me $4,000 to put in 200 words into that uh, voter information guide. And 
I mean, I'm just an educator and I got in this kind of late. I didn't have time to fundraise. I haven't even raised, uh, you know, that much money uh, through this whole campaign. So, you know, it would have been coming out of my own pocket and I don't have the financial resources to just throw $4,000 at a ballot statement. So I don't have one. Um, so I, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but I don't think some voters, uh, you know, might consider me a serious candidate because I don't have a ballot statement. So that's why I've been trying to be so open. If you go onto my website, I do have a candidate statement page kind of explaining this. Um, I'm hopeful that some voters are going to be doing a little more research this year because everyone gets a mail-in ballot and they can take the time to look over each of their races versus being, all right, I know who I'm voting for president. I'm going into the ballot box. And then, you know, maybe they'll have the voter information guy and say, all right, well, these guys don't have candidate statements. I'm not going to vote for them. So, um, but that's one of the big things I've been running into. So um, I'm hopeful that people will go onto my website and see my candidate statement, uh, but who knows? I did see that Ryan Deck on your website in preparation for this interview. And if you wanna take a moment, some of those things you've already mentioned in the interview, but is there any excerpt from that statement on your website that you would like to contribute to this interview now? I mean, the only things I would add is that I've really got three top priorities. And honestly, my top, top priority, you know, outweighs the other two by so much. But it's to make sure that, you know, when we do go into in-person teaching, that we do it right. And we utilize the resources necessary to keep our community colleges safe. That includes our students, faculty, everyone. Um, And then the other two things that are my, you know, of my top three priorities would be to ensure that we expand and maintain uh, current college affordability, um, hopefully through expanding AB19 um, and maybe some other programs to make community colleges uh, more affordable for everybody, and as well as expand course availability. I've known so many people who were on a two-year track to get into a four-year, and then because they couldn't get one class because there were too many students in there, they had to delay another semester. And I don't know, that's unfortunate, um, right? If you wanna really you know, get your life started and say, okay, I'm doing this, I've got a plan. And then you know, a wrench gets thrown into it because you can't get a class you need. Uh, I really wanna to try to avoid that wherever possible. Thank you for that. So I wanted to ask you about how folks can follow you, but you've given us your website and your email. So we could take care of that. And you've also mentioned how digitally people are able to to follow you as far as any kind of events that people can get to know more about you in the last laps of this election. I, in all honesty, my last question is, I I think I've got a sense for what your answer is going to be, but I, I think listeners are probably a little curious in the back of their minds. Ryan Deck, what's your terminal elected position? my terminal elected position. So I don't want to be someone who's super ambitious. So, I mean, I don't know, putting the cart before the horse is a big thing. I honestly am really focused on community college issues right now. Uh, If there are opportunities in the future, you know, that'd be great. And I'll look at them then, but I'm not going to be charting my course through American politics because again, as I mentioned, the whole reason I'm running right now is because I don't know, leadership in Orange County, for those who are concerned about COVID-19, and I think it's a lot of people. I think it's a vast majority of people uh, everywhere. They care about this stuff. Uh, Just the leadership we've seen, the county level has not been up to snuff. Um, And I don't want that to happen at our community colleges. And as I mentioned, they're opening up soon. 
there's going to be some courses that are only hybrid. So there will be students that if they want to take that course, they're going to have to go to campus at some point um, within the next uh, few months. So we need to make sure that that is done uh, correctly and appropriately. Within the next, that means the fall semester, because it's a semester I schedule, the, I know. I, or you I mean believe it is starting the, spring, the, the spring I believe it's semester. a spring semester. Yeah. What do you mean by, okay, I just want to know that actually, if this is October, next couple months does put us in that one. Well, I want to thank you for all of this time you've availed us, and I thank every candidate for running for elected office. It's a huge public service you're doing, all of us. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's been great being able to uh, speak to you. You know, as a former KUCI alumni, it's always great to be back. Okay, thanks. My guest was Ryan Dack, resident Laguna Beach High School teacher and candidate running for the governing board member trustee area six of the South Orange County Community College District challenging incumbent James Wright. This is a nonpartisan race. Thank you everyone for listening.